Heavenly Father, it is indeed a tremendous blessing to be here with brothers and sisters in Christ. We are not alone in this world. You've given us your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives in us. You've given us your Holy Spirit, who lives in us. But you've also given us brothers and sisters who can be with us and encourage us to continue following you faithfully. Lord, we pray this time, this morning, may indeed be a blessing to us. We pray that as we worship you by listening to your word, we pray that we may be invigorated in the faith. We may serve you all the more faithfully because of hearing from your word this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's different ways that we think about how we get strength. Strength is one of those things that is always elusive and we're always wanting more of. And so this last week, I actually celebrated my birthday on Monday and I knew it was going to be a big day. We're off to Luna Park. We're going to go to the movies as well. I knew that was going to be a big day for me. So I knew I needed my strength and I knew that it being my birthday, I got to choose where we would eat and we see food as a great source of strength. And so we went to McDonald's for breakfast which is where I had um, uh, something from McDonald's that is fairly new and I'd never tried before. It's a, sort of like a roll rather than a muffin, and it has two sausage patties on it. It has onion, and then it had uh, barbecue sauce and some sort of white sauce, which was incredibly good. And uh, even Jill had a taste of it and thought, yes, that is great. I really should have had one of those, I think she was thinking. But so I got my strength from McDonald's, and then for lunch... We went to Hungry Jack's, and so I had an Aussie burger, which if you've never tried, if you only go for the Whopper, you should try the Aussie, because it comes with bacon and egg as well, uh, and so I recommend that highly. And then for evening, I had, uh, basically, I, most of you wouldn't say it was a meal, but it was junk food. We had chips and chocolate and lollies and uh, a thing of ginger beer. And so I was strong for my birthday. I knew I had strength. I just avoided uh, going on rides at Luna Park that threw you around too much uh, because I wasn't sure I was strong enough for those uh, given what I'd been eating. But we all know that we need strength. We need to be strong, particularly if we're going to do hard work, if we're going to use our bodies in a very hard way and use our minds in a hard way. We know that we need to get strength. And so this week I want to look at how we can get strength to serve God. We've been slowly working through 1 Peter chapter 4 and we've been looking at uh, how we are meant to serve God and this week I want to look at how we are to get strength. But the first thing we have to ask is, do we need to serve God? We've been looking at this in 1 Peter chapter 4, and I encourage you to have your uh, Black Church Bibles open to page 1203. We've been looking at we're meant to serve God, and he's given us, Peter has given us a number of instructions about how we are to serve God. From verse 7 uh, through to verse 11, he speaks about this. So in verse 7 he says, The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Uh, So we're meant to be clear-minded, we're meant to be self-controlled, we're meant to pray, we're meant to love each other deeply. We're meant to offer hospitality, it says in verse 9. And then we're meant to use our gifts, in verse 10 it says, to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And then in verse 11, which is what we looked at last week, the first part there, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. We're meant to speak to other people and speak with God's words. And then... In the next sentence in verse 11, it says, If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And so indeed we are supposed to serve God. 
And so that's my first main point this morning, service of God. We are meant to serve God. That's what he's been saying for the last couple of verses. And then he says it again, just in case you haven't got the idea. In verse 11, he says, if anyone serves, which by which he means everybody, we're all meant to serve God. But what does it mean to serve? What does it mean to serve God? Well, it's a very broad word to use there. And so that's why I think he's talking to all Christians here. Now, some people would disagree with me. Some commentators think that in verse 11, it says, Firstly, to elders, if anyone speaks, he should do as the one speaking the very words of God, because the elders in the church are responsible for teaching ministry. And then, in the next part of verse 11, it says, If anyone serves, and now he's speaking to deacons. So he's spoken to elders about teaching, and now he's speaking to deacons about serving, because the word there is the word that we get the, uh, the word deacon from. Uh, it's a Greek word. But the service is translated there, and that's where we get our English word deacon. But as I said last week, I don't think Peter is talking here to the leaders of the church. I think that's coming later on in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, to the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and the one who will share in the glory to be revealed. I think his charge to the elders is still to come, the leaders of the church. And here, it is talking to everyone. And when he says, if anyone serves, I think he includes elders in that. Because after all, those who speak, those who teach, that's service. You're telling me that otherwise, that when I get up here and teach each Sunday morning, I'm not serving you? Of course I'm serving you. And so he now wants to talk very broadly about service in general. Service of teaching, service of doing administration, service of offering hospitality, service of giving to the poor, service of encouragement, all kinds of service that we do as Christians. Peter now wants to talk to us about that service and particularly about how to get strength for that service, how to be strong and serve God as we should. If anyone serves... How are we supposed to get the strength that we need? But you might say, okay, well, we need to serve. Yes, I can see that. But then, do I actually need strength? Is service of God all that tiring after all? Is it really that hard to serve God? Surely we just run along and we do it. Uh, We say, oh yes, this is what I'm supposed to do, and so we just do it. Is it really tiring to serve God? And that brings me to my second main point. If you want to see my main points, they're on the back of the church bulletin. You can follow along. Service of God is tiring. And that's so true. Service of God is physically tiring for starters. Uh, When you do work for God, it tires out your body. Your body is limited. Get into meetings, it's a bit of a burden on your body. You have to get up on a Sunday morning, come to church, and you might be feeling fairly tired when you come along, but your body is streaming out against serving God by coming along to church to be taught and to encourage others. And getting along to prayer meetings and Bible studies, it wears your body out. Teaching people wears your body out. Getting up here each Sunday morning is about the most standing I do for the entire week. And then I stand uh, at the door, and so I am pretty exhausted when I go home for lunch. I'll chew through my lunch, and then I want a nap on a Sunday afternoon. It's almost compulsory that I have a nap on Sunday afternoons. I have a nap most of the week long. Um, I find that napping actually reduces overall sleep time, but uh, and I have the flexibility with my work situation that I can do it. But on Sunday afternoons, I need that nap. I am physically tired from being at church. 
And some of you may feel the same, particularly on what you may have had to do at church that Sunday morning. You will feel physically tired. And then going around and visiting people, if you need to go and visit someone at hospital or go around to someone's house to encourage them, you know they're going through a crisis or something, it wears your body out. And hard labour in doing administration and coming to working bees. Working bees is probably the most exercise I do for the year um, or for that six-month period. And we have three-hour working bees and, you know, I pick up bookcases and my own books a lot of the time and I move them around and, yeah, it wears me out. And then doing work for God ties, out, ties us out not just from a physical point of view in our bodies, but it ties out our physical resources. If you are offering hospitality... It affects your physical resources. It affects your supply of food. It affects your supply of money. And so if you are generous to the poor as well, if you give away your money, it reduces your strength. It reduces the strength, the power that you have in the worldly possessions you have. And also doing work for God tires your mind out as well, physical mind. Um, When you're teaching and encouraging others, it tires out your mind. You've got to think about what I've got to say now. And so I think I have my naps on Sunday afternoons partly because my body's worn out from just standing up. And when I don't usually do that through the week, I sit down in a chair. But also my mind is exhausted. And so I need that nap on Sunday afternoons to uh, replenish my mind. But attending church, Bible studies, prayer meetings, it's hard work. You've got to come along and concentrate, particularly if you come to a prayer meeting and you're going to participate in the prayer meeting. It requires you to think and to clarify what you're going to say. And I think that's why some people stay away from prayer meetings because they know that they will be uh, exhausting on their mind. They will tire their minds out. They'll have to think. And if you start to encourage other people or to hear other people's problems, that's emotionally tiring on your mind as well. When someone dumps all their baggage on you as they're trying to get some counselling from you, it's exhausting on your brain doesn't mean that they shouldn't do it. No, we're called to encourage and look after each other and bear one another's loads. But it doesn't come easily bearing someone else's loads. It's exhausting work. It's tiring. And so no wonder people don't come along to things where they get taught as well, like Bible studies. You have to sit there and you have to concentrate and say, what is God's word saying to me? It requires you to use your brain and that tires it out. And so I can see why it's so much easier to stay at home and watch TV then go along to a Bible study or a prayer meeting or a church service. Get up on Sunday morning and you don't want to go to church because it's just going to be too draining on you physically and emotionally in your mind. And so service of God is indeed hard work. And it's also hard work, not just from a physical point of view, but also from a spiritual point of view. Doing God's work, doing the things that the Bible teaches us to do for other people, We're not spiritually equipped to do, naturally. We are naturally inclined to sin, not to good. We're not neutral beings either. It's not like we can go, I'm neutral and I could either go good or bad. No, we go bad. That's our choice. That's always our choice. We go towards a sinful side. And so when you choose to do something right, when God invigorates you to go in the right path, you've got your sinful nature always pushing you in the other direction. So, of course, it's going to be tiring work. You're fighting against yourself. Part of you wants to stay home and watch TV, and the other part says, oh, I should go to Bible study. And so you've got this force that you're fighting against even within yourself, your spiritual self. You're fighting against it. And you're struggling with evil people that would want to keep you away as well. There'll be people who will tempt you to stay away from doing things for God's work. And then 
You've also got to remember that Satan and his demons you're fighting against as well. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Every time you think you should go along to church or to Bible study or to encourage someone, you have the idea, I really should give that person a call and encourage them. Satan's there going, no, you're fighting against him. That's what your struggle's about, Paul says. Yes, you do have a struggle with your body as well, but you have a struggle against Satan. He doesn't want you serving God. And so when you do it, it's going to be tiring work fighting against Satan. And so you do need strength to serve God. You're supposed to serve God, and it's tiring work, and so you need strength. Your own strength can only take you so far as well. Your spirit may be willing, but the body is weak often. And sometimes it's even the case that your spirit isn't that willing either. Both of you are weak. The spirit and the body are unwilling to serve God. And so you need strength. If you try to serve God by your own strength, you're not going to get very far. Instead, you need strength from somewhere else. Where do you get that strength from? Is it from going to McDonald's for breakfast? If you're going to have a big day of service for God on the way to church, you stop over at McDonald's and you get breakfast from there. Where do you get strength from to serve God? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Service of God requires God's strength. And that's what it says in verse 11. It says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. And then it says, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. If you're going to serve God, then Peter says, you need God's strength. You should do it with the strength God provides. You can try and serve God by your own strength, but you only get so far. You need to do it with God's strength. So where are you going to get God's strength from? How do you get God's strength? Well, you have to go to God for it because he's the one that supplies it. It says there in verse 11, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. And that Greek word that's translated provide in the NIV translation there can mean equip, supply, furnish. And so when I hear those terms of God supplying, furnishing, equipping someone, what does my mind think of? Well, I go to Ephesians 6, the armour of God. And so I want to jump briefly over to Ephesians chapter 6. So I encourage you, if you've got a black church Bible, turn there now. It's page 1160. 1160. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And we're going to look at how God gives us strength. How God gives us strength to serve him. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, page 1160 of the Black Church Bibles, where Paul, remember this isn't Peter, we've been looking at what Peter says, but this is Paul. Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So Paul also wants you to be strong, just like uh, Peter has said, be strong in the Lord, Paul says, and in his mighty power. And then how does he say you should get it? Verse 11, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then we read that verse that I've already read out. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And then he tells us what the armour of God is made up of. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We need the belt of truth. How does the belt of truth help us? How does knowing that what we're teaching is true help us to serve God? How does that give us strength? Well, if you know what you're teaching or you aren't really sure that it's true, if you know it's a lie, are you really going to have strength to teach people, to encourage people from God's word? When you speak and you want to speak the very words of God, if you think that those very words of God are a lie, are you really going to do it? But if you know that indeed you have the truth, if you have God's belt of truth buckled around you, you're going to be invigorated. You're going to have strength to serve God. Because when you share something with someone from his word, you know it's true. It may seem that in the back of your mind you've got a doubt, but you you know that it's God's word, so it's indeed true. And that this is helpful for that person to hear. And then what else does he say? He says, um, have the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. You need the breastplate of righteousness. What does that mean? Well, it means you need to understand that you are righteous before God, that Jesus has paid for your sins at the cross and you are no longer unrighteous, but you are righteous in God's sight. How does that then help you serve God? How does that give you strength? It's a wonderful relief to know that you are no longer unrighteous, but God considers you righteous and that when you serve, you're not doing it out of fear that somehow you won't get into heaven and that you, won't, that you have to make up your own righteousness. You have Christ's righteousness. And that's a wonderful strengthening of your service for God. What else does he say you should have as the armour of God? And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We should remember that what we're teaching people is gospel. What does gospel mean? Good news, literally. Good news. When we share God's truth with people, when we share God's word, we're not sharing bad news. We share some bad news, but it's followed by good news. We share the bad news that you're a sinner and that there's an all-knowing, all-wrathful, all-just, all-powerful God there, but then we bring in Jesus Christ. So I love to bring Jesus Christ into every sermon, bring the gospel in, because it is indeed good news. I don't want to give people the impression that it's all fear and gloom and there's no good news about it. I want to bring in that there is a way of salvation. And so that then invigorates us for service. What kind of job is it that you would do where you always just go around telling people bad news? Imagine if you were responsible in something like the military for always going and telling people that their families, that their son has died in battle overseas. It's a depressing job. It would be a job where you wouldn't have much strength to do it, probably for many years. You'd want to get rotated out and do something else. But we have good news. We're not going around telling people bad news. We're telling them good news. That should strengthen us for service. Why wouldn't you want to tell more and more people about Jesus Christ when it's not just that Jesus is Lord and you're a sinner before him, but Jesus is Lord and Saviour? That will invigorate you for service. You're not sharing with your friends and family bad news when you serve God by telling the gospel. You're serving them good news. And so that should invigorate you for service. What else does he say you should have? Verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You should be someone who trusts in God, trusts that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, loving, merciful, gracious, eternal. If you trust that God is all those things, then of course you're going to do his service. You know that everything that you do for God never gets missed. He's all-knowing. Some people in their jobs, they serve and serve and serve and then they realise that no one's noticing what they're doing. And so then they peter out. They have no strength to keep doing what they're doing. God knows what you're doing. Every time you share the gospel, regardless of whether it's hard ground or soft ground, God notices and he will reward you accordingly. It's wonderful trusting that God is who he is and it invigorates us for serving God. What else should we put on? Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. It's wonderful to know that you are saved, that you do not have to go to hell for your sins, but instead you're going to a heavenly place. You've got salvation through Jesus Christ. And that gives you such joy if you truly understand how bad you are and then how much you deserve hell and then to know that you are going to heaven, that you have the helmet of salvation on your head. That gives you such strength for service. You will do anything for God if you realise he has saved a wretch like you. The reason we aren't more faithful in service of God, one of the reasons is, well, there's lots of reasons, all the things that I've listed, we aren't putting them on properly. But one is we don't consider how wonderful it is that we're saved. If we truly understood how marvellous our salvation is and how undeserving we are of it, we wouldn't stop serving God at all. We would never serve anything else. We wouldn't serve ourselves. We wouldn't serve people around us. We wouldn't serve idols. We constantly serve God, but instead we often don't realise how great our salvation is. We don't put the helmet of salvation on so then we aren't strengthened for service for God. And then what else should we do? Take the helmet of salvation, it says in verse 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. If you have God's word, you're not speaking your own words to people when you encourage them and try to serve God. You're speaking God's words. And that is a great strengthening, particularly for someone like me. I don't have to, I said last week to you as well, I don't have to come up with my own words to encourage people with. I come up with God's word. And that encourages me. I don't have to, if, if I knew I had to go out and visit someone who was in great emotional pain and all I had was whatever little things I could come up with out of my own head, I wouldn't go. I'd stay home and keep the door locked and turn the phone off in case they called me. But if I know that I've got God's word to go with me, that strengthens me for service. I can open that door. I can get in the car. I can go and visit that person and have something to say to them. Because I've got God's word with me, which is a sword. And then what else should we do? We put on the armour, but then in verse 18, I don't want you to miss this point for how we get uh, strength for serving God as well. Verse 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Prayer. You want to be strong in your service of God? Pray. Prayer to God is a wonderful source of strength. God listens to your prayers and he often honours your prayers by giving you strength so that you can serve him. He knows that it's hard work that you've got in serving him. 
And he, in his mercy, says, pray to me for strength. And he gives it. And then also, get other people to pray for you as well. You want God's strength? Get people to pray for you. It says in verse uh, 18, it said, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So we as saints are meant to pray for other saints. And then what does Paul say? A most astounding thing in verse 19, if we consider who Paul was. He says, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul wanted prayer. Now consider who Paul is. He's a great apostle. He saw many people turn to Christ. He wrote a huge portion of the New Testament. If someone doesn't need prayer, it's Paul. But what does he say? He says, pray also for me. And if someone isn't fearless of telling people, of serving God, then it would be Paul. But what does he say? He says in verse 20, the last sentence there, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That's a marvellous encouragement for me whenever I recognise that I'm afraid of declaring the gospel to others, that Paul also got afraid. And I don't even come close to Paul's calibre. But if he got afraid and asked people for prayer, then I certainly should as well. And you should too. If you want God's strength, what's a great source of that strength? Get people to pray for you. Tell people what they can be praying for you. Come along to prayer meetings, and you know the trick to get people to pray for you at a prayer meeting? You pray for yourself, and they're kind of forced to because they're meant to be praying with you. So you pray for yourself at a prayer meeting, and they have to pray along with you, and then pray for you. You want strength? Show up at the prayer meetings this afternoon. And pray for yourself. And people will be forced at that meeting to pray for you. And that's what he says here. We meet so often around independent. We don't want to ask people for help. And we don't want to ask people for prayer. We don't like to think that we're strong enough. But we should recognize the service God is hiring and we need all the help we can get. And one of the ways to get help is by getting people to pray for us. When was the last time you shared a prayer point with someone for yourself? You, you ask someone to pray for something, something they're really struggling with. Do you do that? Do you get people to pray for you like Paul got the church in Ephesus to pray for him? When was the last time you asked someone to pray that I might declare the gospel fearlessly as I should? You want to be strong for God? Put on his armor and get people praying for you and then pray yourself. But then you might say, okay. I know, I know that I'm going to serve. I know that I should get God's strength and then serve. It is hiring work. I need God's strength. And you say, but why? Why bother at all? Why not relax and say, yes, it's too hard. I'll just forget about serving God. I don't know why I need to worry about doing the hiring for God. Well, then Peter tells us why, what the purpose of our service should be. Serving God's strength. And that's in verse 11 and 1 Peter chapter 4. If you still need to be sick, flip it back to page 1203. 1203 of 1 Peter chapter 4. And my fourth main point this morning is service of God gives God praise. And you see that in verse 11. It says, If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. See that there? That, those two words? So that indicates purpose. 
Why are you serving God with his strength? So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. When you serve God with his gifts that he has given you and with the strength that he provides, who gets the praise? God. If you serve with your own body, your own strength, who gets the praise? You. But if you serve with God's strength, with God's gifts, you recognise that they aren't your gifts, they're his gifts, he's given them to you, and then he's given you the energy to be able to serve, then he gets the praise. It's kind of like when someone gives us a present for our kids, they give us a toy that requires batteries, and some people actually give you batteries. We have this, um, uh, yes, this family friend who always, whenever she gives you a toy that uh, requires batteries, she also puts some batteries in the pack with it. That's what God does. He gives you a gift, and then he gives you the strength so that you can actually exercise the gift. He gives you the mouth so that you can speak to people. Then he gives you the strength so that you can speak to people. So who gets the praise? God does. Not you. God does. He gets it all. And so that's what happens here. It says, so that in all things, all things, both the gift and the strength, all things, all that you do for God, uh, that he may be praised. And also not just God the Father. What does it also say there? Through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gets the praise as well because you've got to recognize that God can't graciously give you anything except through Jesus Christ. You are a sinful creature. You don't deserve any grace from God at any point in time. But through Christ's atoning work at the cross, he has opened a way so that he can give you stuff and not be unjust. And so Jesus Christ gets the praise as well. If you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, just understand that, that Without Jesus Christ, you cannot have any access to God, any of the good things that he gives. You must turn to Jesus Christ. You must put your faith in Jesus. If you're going to have any gifts from God, any strength to serve God, and any hope of eternal salvation, you must turn from your sins, recognize you're a sinner, and turn to Jesus Christ in trust that his death was for you. And then, once that happens, a whole lot of stuff comes in. You get salvation and you get gifts galore that you can then, and then he gives you the batteries, the strength, so that you can exercise those gifts. It all comes through Jesus Christ. And so it's no wonder here that as Peter has been talking about this, what does he do? He breaks out into praise himself at the end of verse 11. He says, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Some people think that the next part of the letter is actually composed later or composed by somebody else because it seems like, oh, he ended the letter here. I don't think that. I think Peter just went, I'm talking about these things and I'm talking about how God gives us gifts and then God gives us strength to use those gifts and he gets praised through that so he just can't help himself. He says, to him be the glory and the power, power, strength, forever and ever. Amen. He just can't help himself. He breaks out into praise because of the knowledge that he knows of God giving us gifts and God giving us strength, and so, of course, we should praise him, which is amazing when we consider that this is written to a a church that is suffering great pain. We're going to see that next week as we look at verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Why would Peter be praising God for people or telling people to praise God when they're going through great pain? Well, it's because he knows of the marvellous gift and the strength that God gives And so he can break into praise and he expects the people that he's writing to to break into praise as well. So do you find service of God hard? 
I think if you're honest, everyone in this room would find that it is hard. It's hard to go to church, to meetings with other Christians, to pick up the phone and call someone, to, to give to someone, to do some work for the church. It's hard work. Is it because you're serving by your own strength that you find it so hard? And if you find it hard, do you respond by going to God for strength? Do you put on the full armour of God? All those things that I listed. Do you believe that that's what you've got? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of gospel, the gospel peace, the helmet of salvation. Do you understand that you have all that? And when you serve God and you do it with his gifts and his strength, what is the purpose of it all? Do you take his gifts, his strength, and then exalt yourself? Or do you do it for his praise, his honour, his glory, forever and ever? Amen. Let us speak with our God. Heavenly Father, you have been so gracious to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have given us so much. You've given us him. You've given us an eternal salvation. You've given us your word, the sword of the spirit. You've given us truth. You've given us righteousness. And you've given us gifts so that we can serve our brothers and sisters in Christ and serve this world who so much of it is in darkness. Lord, we pray that we may be willing to serve because we have your strength. Oh, Lord, give us your strength. May we be invigorated to serve you as we should. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.